0: Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Specht. Yeah, hello. Hey, Derek, what's happening? I'm missing
1: the snow. I'm wondering when it's going to come back.
0: Snow's a myth. <laughs> it's a myth. It's done. It's finished. <laughs> Welcome to spring. We get six months of spring. Well, I guess you only have to drive like half hour north to
1: find snow, but this lake effect thing is uh, is for the birds. Yeah. I like my snow in winter. Yeah.
0: And all the driving in the snow. mm with the rest of the seven million people. exactly. Oh, it's
1: (laughs) awesome.
0: Awesome. Hey, I had an adventure this week. Did you? I did. I did.
1: So... Oh, you're exhausted?
0: (laughs) 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 You know when you're just about to think everything's going to be awesome. (laughs) Everything is awesome. So I had to drop Trace and Ariana off at the airport Monday morning Mm -hmm. for five o'clock. Get up. We're all ready to go. We're there. 5, I think, oh, 5.03 or something like that. We're at the airport. Get out! <sighs> Off they go. I drive home thinking, okay, because I figure it's going to be half hour to an hour late for work depending on traffic. Get home. Get the dog for a walk. Get all ready for, for work. Drive into work. and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be like five minutes late. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I'm sitting at the street light. And there's one of those little kids' beater cars there. with the Honda tuned up. the Honda. little Honda tune up, yeah, and the, the exhaust system. And I'm thinking, dude, your car sounds like crap. Why <laughs> do you do that? Then the light turns and boom, he's gone. I'm thinking, why am I still hearing his exhaust? <laughs> why I <why, why laughs> still hear? So then I pull away from the light and it gets worse. I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's
1: me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the uh, bracket on the very end of my tailpipe there. Mm-hmm. Broke, Yeah. So it's like bouncing, but as it's bouncing, there's the flex pipe in the middle yeah. on the other side of the muffler, and it's like, woah 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 woah. So as I'm driving, woah woah and it's bouncing more. Yeah. It's yeah. getting louder. It's got this rhythm to it. You <laughs> could almost dance to it, but yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I ended up, yeah, 300 bucks later.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, things were going so well Monday morning <laughs> until they weren't. Yeah, until they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> ah, awesome <laughs> That, you know Is what it is Yeah,
1: I got a flat tire this week Did you really? It, yeah, it was easy drive Time fix. to give up driving it was, a very slow, it was a very slow leak So I pumped it up and held there for a few days And I got it fixed yesterday But it was like a big lag bolt It's like What? That couldn't have been an accident Where are you driving? Just parking lots, my driveway so oh. it 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 was it was it was suspicious.
0: It was I'm your thinking, I, I, <laughs> no, she did it. I doubt it was the kids. She got into trouble this week, didn't she? <laughs> I'll show him. <laughs> <laughs> I do piss people off at work, so maybe
1: maybe <laughs> maybe. But it just seemed weird. Like it was a really big
0: bolt through your tire.
1: Yeah. Huh. At least it was through the middle of the tread,
0: so they were able to. Oh, yeah. They,
1: they patched and plugged it both.
0: I had one, a nail went right down the sidewall. Oh, they can't fix those. Nope. Nope. Yeah, it didn't blow or anything. Just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, and it's like, what's going on? (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, we can't fix that. New tire. Can't do sidewall stuff. (sighs) Rats. (laughs) Rats. (laughs) Other than that, it's been a great week. It has. It's been nice and quiet, (laughs) except for the dog, who we've now found out howls. Yes, we heard him earlier. Uh, she uh, she was up there howling when we came down here to, to record. And uh, no, other than that, it's been a great week. Yeah. We got a millimeter of snow this morning at home. We got frost. A whole millimeter. We had frost.
1: Yeah. I heard some people were getting freezing rain.
0: Nope, we just had frost. Hmm. We had some rain, light. well, mist. we yeah. mist. Oh, yeah. And we had the dog found out what raccoons were. Oh, yes, yes. She just sits on the deck and barks at it, and yeah. it just looks at her and then walks away slowly. Neighbors must love you. I think they got this 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 thing going on. <laughs> I know you're a raccoon. I know you're a dog. Have a nice day, Phil. See you, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that dog's been something else. <laughs> ah, great dog, though. Great dog. Yep, yep. Uh what else has been happening, Nothing? No, not much. Really? No. Your life is boring. I expect <laughs> you to come over here and entertain me. I am not being entertained. Oh no, right? <laughs> right? right? now. Well, I even supplied the beer this week. Well, I did I am come... not entertained and I am not supplied with the efficient beer from I you. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I did come across
1: that uh that obituary. Now normally we wouldn't talk about obituaries, but what obituary? I think I texted it to you.
0: Did you? Yeah. Was it a good obituary? Oh, uh, you asked me uh, if I knew the guy. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, from Algonquin Park or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember that.
1: See, he was born in Maine. I just thought, found it interesting. I, I want to read the one line from it, but it was, it was like a novel.
0: How did I send it to you? I, don't I can't know. even find it. Maybe it was in an email or something. Yeah, I See, these are the things you're supposed to talk to me about before well, because, we come because on because you here.
1: poo-pooed it, so I thought we weren't going to talk well, about it. Well, I didn't it. poo-poo it.
0: I just didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, a dude dies.
1: Yeah. He was from Maine. So, it was... Uh... It was an interesting... So, it was a very... From what I can remember of it, because I can't find it right now, but it was uh, it was super-duper interesting. And it was like a novel. It gave his entire life history. So, but born and somewhat raised in Maine, his parents felt he would have a better education if they moved to New Brunswick. So, back in the day, that's what you could do, you could do right? The border was very open. And uh, eventually ended up in Muskoka area. And then, uh, not Newmarket, but... Uh, someplace out there and uh and but one of the things he said is like when he was 16 his parents dropped him off at uh at w- at the north end of the park and uh so his name is douglas william patterson so i just he he just lived this amazing life and it was like super duper interesting I, I really wish i could have known the guy but one of the things that really grabbed my my interest was uh was uh so he ended up living in, 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 near Port Carling in Muskoka. They would, uh, often portage their light rowboat over to Silver Lake, fish for bass. Um, so one of the, if I could find it, he, uh, there we go. His aunt Marnie would, uh, when she? He uh, he was dropped off at the north end of Algonquin Park with his best friend Craig McKay. They spent a lifetime together. They're friends for mm-hmm. for their whole lives. Uh, they canoed for a week with no adults, no life jackets, no bug spray, no communication with the outside world. His aunt Marnie was there at the week's end at a pre arranged spot to pick them up at the south end of Algonquin Park. <laughs> so I just thought that that's that's typical of the day back then, right? Like now, it's like uh, we bubble wrap our children, right? Oh yeah, that and, wouldn't happen nowadays. No, you could. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't happen at all, especially at that age, right? But uh it just he he sounds like he lived a, a wonderful life and and had some grand adventures and and uh, has uh, a really strong family upbringing. American, but Canadian. I don't know. I don't know if they uh, what kind of rules they followed way back then in the day, but it was super duper interesting. But yeah, it was uh, no bug stuff, no life no, jackets. No nothing.
0: I bet you they didn't even have a spot unit or an in reach. <laughs> <laughs> what was wrong with people back then? I mean, what would
1: you do for food? I wonder if they were trying to catch all their food. Fishing oh, would have been
0: huge, would have been much better. A lot, than lot it is better nowadays. fishing back in those days. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's like
1: oh man,
0: those were the good old days. Yeah, those are good old but days. But I say that now. Yeah. Right now, yeah, 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 these yeah. are the good old days. Yes. When you're doing all this stuff and you're hating being on this trip because the portage is too long and you're <laughs> getting eaten alive by bugs, Yeah, these are the good old yeah, days. exactly. You mark my word, because 90 years from now, when you're looking back, remember that trip where we remember, wanted to beat the crap out of each remember other? Remember before they paved the portages? Yeah, <laughs> those were the good old days. <laughs> we're living them. We are living the good old days yeah. right now. Yeah,
1: and look at that. that. Remember that guy, Sean? He uh, he would take people across the Dixon-Bonfield Portage with his uh, pack goats. Yeah. He help them portage. Those were the good old days. <laughs> 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 See? We're living it, dude. We're yeah, living yeah, the dream, living and we dream. don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: good times.
1: Yeah, we good know time. how to burn CDs. We know what rotor phones are. We know what dial-up connections are.
0: 300-baud uh, modem, yes! <laughs> Netscape! Yeah, until my buddy got the 1,200, and then his buddy got the 2,400-baud yeah. modem. Yeah, did you have the VIC-20, or did you the Commodore 64? I had the Commodore 64. We had the Commodore 64. <laughs> yeah, Intellivision, Sega yes. Genesis, Game yes. Boy, yeah. the original Nintendo with Duck Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had yeah. that, we had that. oh, the good yeah. old days. <laughs> All right. Anywho oh, man. Have you heard about the rain in California? <laughs> oh, have I ever. I know, eh? They're getting I... it. They're getting it. And so
1: now there's the good and the bad. hmm So the bad is it's causing a lot of devastation. Floods and so, all that sort but of thing. I guess one good thing is it's not fires because that's normally what happens. So they're getting floods. So they need the water, just not so much all at once.
0: Space it out, Mother Nature. I know, I know. Program. So
1: they do need reservoirs refilled. Like, mm-hmm. is they need so much water? It's so dry there, but uh, most of it's going to wash away too quickly. And hopefully, they can fill some reservoirs. But unfortunately, it's just causing devastation. People are losing their homes, and more rains people on are the becoming way. injured and dying and stuff.
0: Floods in the city, Santa Barbara. Did you see what happened in Santa Barbara? I did not. There's a news crew out there, and they're talking about. It. And behind the lady, you see cars on the street. Yeah. Like you see the top of the car, <laughs> and you see up to the windows of a big pickup truck. Yeah, like the water's yeah. that high. That's incredible. And then dude goes paddling by in a kayak. <laughs> you tell you tell me, look at me straight in the eye. If that was your street, tell me you wouldn't be out there in a the canoe. Absolutely would be. Right, right. <laughs> because like you, I, I, I paddle down my street. I'd be doing that until oh, the cows came home. I would too. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Yeah. 'Cause that <laughs> happened in in Toronto a couple years ago. Do you remember downtown Toronto? We got all that rain and under the bridges yes. cars were stranded. We're, and, and some somebody had a
1: Ferrari that yeah. left to us windows. Yeah. It's like, why did you do that? I anyway.
0: would be there <laughs> with my boat like faster than fast if yeah. I lived downtown Toronto. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, I going to the local bridge and I'm gonna <laughs> paddle under it.
1: I I saw a news crew once, they were, the woman was set up and she was holding the paddle and she was talking to the cameraman, so you assume the cameraman was in another boat, and then like 10 feet behind them, two guys are walking in four inches yes. of water, splashing, looking at the news crew saying, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey.
0: Did you see the hurricane, the guys in the hurricane got hammered in the head with a stop sign? long ago yeah, yeah. That, from years ago i saw yeah. that yeah that was i always thought it was mocked up but i think it actually happened it actually happened yeah <laughs> dude's standing there and all sudden street sign comes flying by and hits so
1: somebody. i saw i saw it today i meant to send it to you and i don't know if i did or not but uh this woman was shows her and her husband they're both in kayaks and they're going to check out their house and as you can see their chickens are on the roof and they paddle in through their across their patio they paddle across their patio paddle through the front door paddle around the kitchen and living room she's kind of sad but then she laughs and but then she's sad again and she laughs and uh and but so i thought i've never paddled through my house before but one thing and i hadn't really noticed till i went to the comments and somebody made a comment about well i wouldn't do that with the power on and so i looked at the video again it's like the ceiling lights were on lamps were on, half-submerged lamps. The kitchen stove was submerged. And I'm thinking, the power. I see lights. There's lights. You could see lights in the ceiling. And see, like my the- first comment would have been idiot. What power? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But I didn't notice it until I looked at it again because I was looking at her paddling, mm-hmm. trying to paddle and pull her way through doorways with her kayak paddle. And and then I had to go look at it again. It's like, what is he talking about? the powers on? It's
0: like, oh, my God. Maybe they went there the to turn phone. the lights off. I hope they remembered to turn off the, uh, how, unplug the iron. How, <laughs> how did they not get electrocuted? Right? The power
1: was on. Like, I don't know where their breaker box is, but. Maybe it was. It must have been sitting high. Yeah, something with the water. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't. <laughs> uh, but
0: I saw a light burning, and like, ah, it's so weird. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, they're getting a lot of rain, it's going yeah. to be getting more. So. Yeah. it's good and bad, like yeah. you say. Yeah.
1: They entered through the front door, went through the living room, kitchen, and exited through their patio door in the back of the house
0: in kayaks. In kayaks,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: My ass, that's, something that, that's you a lot see of water. every day.
1: That's a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. It's I feel a unusual it. use for yeah. It, it, you do feel bad. Uh, very unusual use for kayaks, but uh, they got to examine the damage to their mm-hmm. home.
0: Well, like I say, this news crew talking to the kayaker. So there's a man coming down here in his canoe. It was a kayak? He was sitting on top of kayak, yeah. <laughs> All right, whatever. Whatever. You know. Uh Georgia, you wanna win some prizes? I would love to win prizes. An ongoing competition will award prizes to local kayakers, paddleboarders, rafters, and canoers as they enjoy rivers, including the Etowah and Chattahoochee Rivers in Forsyth County in Georgia. Georgia River Network recently announced more than $8,000 in prizes for paddlers as part of an annual Paddle-a-thon competition, which will include more than a dozen categories, including Most Miles Paddled, Most Trash Picked Up, and most kayak fishing trips. Hmm, count me in on that one. I know, and so, it sounds like this has been going for a few years now. Yeah, people who venture out on our state's rivers inevitably want to see these rivers protected. That's why we want people out exploring our rivers, says Rena Peck, um, Georgia River Network Executive Director. Our annual Paddle-a-thon is one of the most important fundraisers of this year in celebration of the organization's 25th anniversary. We are expanding the Paddle-a-Thon competition to include non-fundraising categories and get more people involved in our river movement. Competition began New Year's Day, will continue through September 6th. Each participant will pay a $35 registration fee. Uh, Competition also allows teams of up to 10 members. That's a lot of garbage you can collect. Uh, That's a lot of miles paddled, a lot of fishies caught. Among the prizes are a $500 gift certificate for most trash removed, $250 gift certificate for most miles paddled with a pet, $500 gift certificate from Cedar Creek Outdoor Center for most miles paddled. Does a pet have to be in the boat? <laughs> you mean like if they had a f- pet fish? That's my pet fish down there. <laughs> <laughs> you right side of fish is, no, matter. that's my pet. He's my pet fish. <laughs> Uh, We know there's paddlers out there that log nearly 1,000 miles on Georgia's rivers in 2022. Paddle-a-thon gives everyone a chance to use the miles they paddle to protect the rivers they love. Winners will be announced at the Georgia River Network's 25th anniversary celebration this fall. That's a pretty cool thing, though. That's pretty neat. You know, like I say, if if you're out there... Now, there's a gentleman... I never did see the full ad. There's a gentleman down in Hamilton Way here, Hamilton, Ontario... Every Saturday, he goes out, for the last 10 years, he goes out in his kayak and collects garbage on one of the rivers down there. Oh, yeah? 10 years, every Saturday, collecting garbage. So, that's great and all, but how sad is it that in 10 years, he hasn't run out of garbage? Right. Right? Right i I got think he's doing more than one river though, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I said, I didn't read the full article, just mm-hmm. going to quickly breeze through the gist of it there, yeah, so yeah, you know, keeping your your river's lovely, and if you yeah. can get some chance to win five hundred bucks out of the deal there you go. awesome. There's another one called the Paddle for the Border. It's a seven hundred mile paddle on the dismal swamp canal uh to the North Carolina Virginia border. 18th Annual Paddle for the Border is on May 26th, or sorry, May 6th, 2023. It's limited to 375 paddlers. Registration opened Friday, January 6th, and had to be closed Sunday, January 8th, after 72 hours. Wow. All 375 slots were filled. That's amazing. In 72 hours. Wowzers. Previous fastest sellout was in 2018 in two and a half weeks. Hmm. So, apparently, people want to they get out there. They want to and get and out battle, there. It's like, right? yeah. wow, seventy-two hours to fill 375 paddlers for this thing.
1: So they're going dismal swamp canal, North Carolina Virginia mm-hmm. border.
0: Yeah, it starts in North Carolina. And it goes well. It's it's right along the border. Mm-hmm. So it's it's only seven and a half miles, but well, still, that's awesome. And they're limiting numbers, I assume, for safety reasons. Yeah, eight, and it's the 18th annual one. they, you know, so like I say, selling out. Mm-hmm. So if you want to participate next year, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> better be years. ready. Yeah, I know, and it's in May. Yeah, so May 6th. And it's already, yeah. Uh, That's Georgia. Or uh, not Georgia, uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Very, very cool.
0: Uh, the Great Walks of New Zealand is a collection of the country's best and most popular hikes. New Zealand's great walks include world-famous hikes like the Tongariro Crossing of Volcanic Landscapes and the Milford Track, acclaimed as the finest walk in the world. New Zealand is famous for being uh, a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts and has exotic and breathtaking wildernesses to explore you think New Zealand's got as many things trying to kill you as Australia does? (laughs) I mean, they're right there. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Tasmania. Yeah, Tasmanian devils. Oh, you've got the devils that spin (laughs) around really fast and (laughs) make these growly noises. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Of New Zealand's collection of 10 great walks, the odd one out is the Wanganui Journey, which is not a hike at all, but a multi-day paddle. This travels down the uh, Wanganui River in nor- on the North Island. The river stretches for two hundred and ninety kilometers and is the third longest river in the country. Cool. One particular fact about the river is that it is officially recognized as a person in the laws uh, in the law of New Zealand. The Wanganui River has special significance to the native Maori of New Zealand. And it is a river journey that is accomplished by canoe or kayak and covers some 145 kilometers. Much of the route runs through Wanganui National Park.
1: So they've recognized... I imagine this is for protection of the river, but they mm-hmm. recognize the river as a person. Yeah. And it's ingrained in law.
0: And we've talked about that in the past. Yes, like we Over have. the past couple yeah. of years, there's more and more being... Like the Heritage River, some of the Heritage yeah. Rivers and stuff They're like that. They're trying more.
1: to identify their... The river now identifies as a human, mm-hmm. and it's way to better protect the rivers from, from whatever damage that us humans can do to them. Yeah. Through
0: mining or, or whatever. So much nowadays. To mm-hmm. uh, along the way, paddlers discover pristine forests and some of the best landscape the North Island has to offer. There's steep-sided canyons, native forests, abundant native bird life along the route. Take it slow, take it all in, 145 kilometers or 90 miles. One of the more unusual attractions along the route is the Bridge to Nowhere. It was built in 1936 to access the Mangapirua Valley Soldiers Settlement, but was abandoned just six years later. So does it not cross anything? It's like... No, it's just a... Well, so I guess it's it just a goes to nowhere anymore. Yeah.
1: So the the, the settlement is now abandoned, I yeah. assume. So the bridge goes across, and it's just yeah.
0: It, it, you'd swear it's like a big car bridge or something. Yeah. But it just goes nowhere. nowhere. Uh, it's the uh, journey is managed by the New Zealand Department of Conservation or DOC. They advise people not to attempt the journey unless they are confident swimmers, have experience canoeing, are fit enough to paddle for six or seven hours a day downstream are age 10 or over and have two or more people in a group. Hmm. So two 10 year olds could go. If they can swim and paddle (laughs) and experience canoes. If one is inexperienced or traveling alone, it is an option to book a guided tour of the journey instead. There are plenty of places to rent canoes and kayaks, some outfitters offer guided tours and all the equipment needed. Along the river are a series of huts and campsites. These are often in the wilderness where people can lis- listen to the calls of native birds and possibly even the iconic kiwi. Isn't that a bird?
1: It is. It's a little tiny bird with a long beak.
0: Native birds and I believe kiwi. I yeah.
1: believe it's flightless. Is it really? I believe so. I'd have to oh. check. Might be up uh, oh, my butt. <laughs>
0: He's knocking out his butt again. <laughs> These need to be reserved in advance of the peak season, late October to late April. Are accessible only by boat. Distances between campsites along the route for a typical five-day journey: uh, Day one, you're paddling 36 kilometers. Day two, now this is all down downstream, right? So with the current. Day two, you're paddling 32 kilometers. Day three, 37. Day four, 30 day five twenty. there are just some of the huts and campsites along the way there are around 11 dotted along the route with distances of 22 to 4 kilometers between them most campsites have 10 10 to 17 between them hmm. so you can actually make this longer if you wanted i would think it'd be a nice trip we should right? do this yeah let's go to new zealand year. And try not to get killed uh, like other great walks the backcountry huts are typically well equipped and conveniently located most people take full journey that takes around 5 days to complete but it is also possible to start part way through and take 3 day journey instead the Whanganui journey is free and there are no charges other than for guides and overnight accommodations so you don't need to pay to use the river to paddle it just hmm. if you're staying in one of the accommodations and Whoa. have a guide. How cool is that? That is very cool. That's one of the great walks of New Zealand. That's amazing. Walking in a canoe so or a kayak. That's a kiwi
1: bird, this picture. Oh. So like I said, it's, it's about the size of a domestic chicken. So it's,
0: a chicken uh, with a really long, thin beak.
1: It yeah, looks like a mosquito. it looks, looks mosquito. like an anteater. It looks like
0: an bird. Yeah. And it is flightless. I was right. Wow. You weren't talking out your butt. Mm-hmm. But... I know some things. Yeah, know some
1: things. (laughs) I just have a bad memory, so I I forget most things. I used to know a lot of
0: things. I got a great memory; it's just really short. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, if you're heading to New Zealand, you might want to check out that. If you're heading to
1: New Zealand and you want to do this trip, bring me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pack Derek in a
1: duffel bag. (laughs) Stick me in a well-ventilated box. Ship me over. Oh, you had me right up <laughs> until well ventilated.
0: <laughs> Stick Derek in a box. <laughs> Cardboard's good. Ow, oh, ow! Oh, as long as you can tape it shut. <laughs> Preferably nail it shut. Uh that'd be cool to go over there, though.
1: It would be. I've always wanted to go. This is that's one of the places I would have loved to go. Mm-hmm. There's uh now. It, now it's not. It's not. Paddling, but I started following this family. Do they know? <laughs> they know a lot of people follow them. <laughs> They're on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. They started last June, so it's a family of five: two girls, a boy, the parents. the The dad runs some sort of uh, a- airline business out of uh, out of. Uh, one of those ski hill mountains way back Whistler. where. Whistler? Whistler, Black Home. Blackcomb. Home. Blackcomb. Home. Blackcomb Home Adventures. Anyways, uh, so they left last June, and for 14 months, they're going to travel the world in a single plane. It's like a minivan with wings. Cool. So they've already gone from Vancouver up to tuk tuk back down. They hit every every uh, province and territory. And then they went and moved through into the states, down to Florida, um, uh, Cuba, and whatever the Bahamas and whatever. So they flew all through that. Now they're South America. Went to the uh, what's the South End? to Antarctica,
0: Patagonia. It's Chile. M-
1: yeah, way Argentina. down there. Yeah, Argentina. They went through all those countries. Now they're all the way back up through Peru. They're within the next couple of days. They should be passing back into the states again. And then they're going to head up, hit Alaska, and fly west and circle the globe and end up back in BC again eventually. Cool, fourteen month trip. So, wow. this this this. How old uh, are the kids? I would. Like, don't s- they have school? They probably should have school. Like they're like 16 or 17 or something or like the youngest. Obviously, he's taking the kids out of school, right? But this is one of those once in a lifetime trips. It's like, hey, let's do it.
0: Call in every day. Yeah, my kid won't be any
1: sick again. (laughs) (laughs) But just talking about seeing the world and paddling some of these amazing places. Yeah. Like this is so cool that they're doing this, right? And everything they need, they're carrying with them. And it's it's just a small single engine plane. Yeah. and uh it's it's pretty amazing to see some of these places in the world like they're doing some they're doing some canoeing and kayaking they're doing some paragliding they' every place they go they do something different and that's cool. yeah so they've they've uh, left they left around June 15th or so of 2022 so they're not going to be done until the fall yeah. this fall like sometime this fall they'll be done.
0: Cool so that's amazing. You want to be adopted now, don't you?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> like five in the sky or five in the flight or something. I can't remember what they're called. But uh, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Wow. I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> we didn't get to do that as kids.
1: Well, can you, you imagine what it would cost for fuel? I don't want to. That's, that's just insane to think about because a plane is not that efficient.
0: I wonder if he's got to do... Maintenance on the plane at some point.
1: He would like they talked about stopping to do oil changes and stuff. Like there's uh, a guy I work with. He's getting his flight lessons, and so him and a group of four or five other people, they lease a plane or they own a plane. He's got a one fifth share or something, and he says like at thirty or forty thousand hours, you have to. Rebuild, maintenance you build that, your engine. Yeah. So you send the plane out. They rebuild it all and full inspection. And he says, like you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars every, uh, depending on how fast you reach your thirty yeah. to forty thousand flight hours. He yeah. says you have to do it. It's by it's regulation wow over here. Yeah, over here. Well, <laughs> I, there's <laughs> a lot of a lot of air, like airline regulations are the same standard way. around. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Huh, but cool. yeah, that's that's quite the that's quite the world trip.
0: It is. Uh, speaking of time, River Out of Time. We posted that uh, movie on our website.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's about an hour at one hour, three minutes, thirty-eight seconds runtime. Unlikely crew of scientists, artists, educators, and river lovers recreate a legendary river adventure to see how climate change and human development have changed things. In 1869, John Wesley Powell. An American explorer took off on a historic adventure. He and a company of men, we, we would never call it a company of men nowadays, <laughs> loaded up in their dories and shoved off from Green River, Wyoming. The group wouldn't be the first to explore the green and Colorado rivers, but they would be the first to float them in their entirety. 150 years later, in a river out of time, a bunch of people, see, we don't call it a, a bunch of people. A bunch. Yeah. It's no longer a company, it's a bunch. A bunch of people load up on river rafts, charting the same course as Powell, but things are drastically different this time. Not just because of all the human expansion and development, but because climate change is having a serious effect on these once bountiful bodies of water.
1: So, uh, what did they, st- you've, you've read more into this? Like, have they researched what, like, there must have been log books and stuff from this? Uh... Oh, from
0: Powell's uh, adventures and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so there'd be a lot of data about what they experienced and what they saw. Yep. Hmm. Uh,
0: which is what this group of scientists, educators, artists, and river lovers are there to document, is the changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropping into this trip, I mean, is completely different from what Powell experienced, says Ben Kraushar. He noted as an example, right now we're on a reservoir which wasn't here when Powell rode this. There you go. Right. Dams, reservoirs, farmland, irrigation, climate change have all stymied or siphoned off much of the water that used to run from Wyoming down the Green and Colorado rivers all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Human demand is stretching the river's ability to supply the water we need, especially in the face of climate change. A River Out of Time follows this group along their journey to recreate Powell's trip. And it illustrates just how much pressure our rivers are under and what needs to shift if we want to those waterways to survive. So we posted that on our website yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, yeah, take a peek at it. And I mean, great scenery and all, but yeah, you can see though, if the water levels are that much lower now, I would like to well, see them when they were that much higher. It's different everywhere, right? Like yeah. it's.
1: Like obviously, the Earth goes through a, a normal climatological cycle. Say that ten times real fast. <laughs> but we do like the Earth, it does. Like we went through an ice age, and now we're going through a, a different age, right? So, it's it's interesting to think about the uh, the changes that that we've experienced, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty incredible. Like we we are know more and more about earth every day that goes by. We'd learn more and more. And it's incredible that we don't know. We know so little about our oceans. Especially the bottom. Mm-hmm. We have no idea.
0: Did you know the Titanic? The pools still have water in them? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> huh? 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 <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> Do they have All pools? the swimming pools on the Titanic <laughs> are still filled with water.
1: I don't know. that. It's a good joke, but I don't know that they had pools. <laughs>
0: uh, all the water glasses <laughs> yes. on the Titanic? yeah, Still filled with water. Well, <laughs> the, bathtubs, the bathtubs. The bathtubs are all bathtub still filled. bathtubs still are, f- are still yeah. filled. Anyway. <laughs> Go, go. You can, uh, follow the link on our our uh, face t- Facebook page there, or just Google "River Out of Time" on YouTube and and give it a, a watch. Uh, here's something that's a tad interesting. Now I I saw this and I'm thinking, ooh, the five biggest fish caught in a kayak. Yeah. So what's the big the top five? Like this thing's going to be mad. No, no five biggest fish species. Oh. So, the the biggest... Take the, take the five oh. biggest fish in yeah, the yeah, ocean, yeah. and they've all been caught on a kayak. Okay. These are the top five.
1: It, maybe that explains why it's a bizarre... I told you about the, uh, the video I saw of yeah. the guy catching a grouper. Yeah. Uh, and it was... <laughs> The grouper was bigger than him and his kayak together. He obviously had to cut the line, but it was a massive grouper. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen a video of a grouper? Yep. Those are big. Yeah. That's I've seen ones with scuba scary. divers beside them. Well, they're <laughs> small ones, but then there's yeah, giant. Yeah, they, what are they, they uh, do get massive.
0: Not, gi- not a giant. Is it a giant grouper? No, there's another word that starts with G, gigantic. Gigantic. Gigantour? tour <laughs> There's a big grouper. <laughs> we'll just call it that. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> uh, when we go out fishing, you know, in our canoe or kayak, we're hoping to launch into a monster fish. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, you know, big, uh, big uh, pike or walleye yep. or something like that. According to Florida Sportsman website. These are the top five biggest fish species Mm -hmm. ever caught in a kayak. And there's, you know, emphasis on the word species. Because one of them I've seen bigger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Halibut, Alaska. Jay Hicks landed a 186.4 pound monster in August of 2020 in Kodiak, Alaska. And Adam Fisk caught a 67-inch, 156-pound halibut off of Ketchikan, Alaska in 2021. Those are big fish. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Now,
0: I'm not... I think it's in order to officially catch something, you got to bring it next to your kayak and be able to lay a hand on it. Or I think it's with the swordfish... You have to be able to grab it by the sword or, or the marlin, grab it by the front and hoist it up. Something, yeah. Right? I you think there know, yeah. there is, yeah, because you're not getting- You're not putting that in your kayak. You're not putting a 500-pound fish mm-hmm. in your on you, your kayak. Your kayak doesn't hold that much. Yeah. If it does, that's not a kayak. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's,
1: there is a, I read it, so I can't remember what the details are, but they do say that to officially land it, you have to be somehow hands-on. Mm-hmm. And and then you can cut the line because you're unlikely to get the hook out.
0: If it's a massive pike and it bites your finger off. <laughs> I think that counts. Does that count? I think that counts. We'll call, we'll call it counting. <laughs> Said lefty. <laughs> hey, thumbs. <laughs> uh, why do they call you four fingers? <laughs> uh, number four is a swordfish in Florida. For most kayak anglers, swordfish simply isn't a realistic target. After all, they spend their days hunting in very deep water, 1,700 feet, give or take, which in most areas means 15 or 20 to 50 miles offshore. You're Hmm. not paddling 50 miles out. And dropping your line down 1,700
1: feet. You might get towed out that far. You got your big enough fish. <laughs> they also
0: require specialized rigging with heavy weight. So typically, electric reels are involved. Uh, Chris Vexy caught a ride out 70 plus miles on a larger boat and launched his kayak from there. Dropped his line down 1,600 feet. Hmm. How big is that reel? I know,
1: right? Yeah. So it's going to be wire. It's yeah. gonna be a wire spool, yeah. so it's gonna be very thin. So your yeah. spool can hold a lot of line.
0: I and mean, when he's talking about a two hundred and fifty pound leader and stuff yeah. like that. That's that's a yeah. That's crazy. Uh it wasn't a massive swordfish, but it makes the list because swordfish is a big fish species. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's that's where because this I read this one and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Because they showed a picture and this thing was as big as like a good sized pike. You see a guy catch but on they vacation. They don't say how. Yeah, they never said how big it was. Huh. They just had the picture of he it. He caught a swordfish. He caught a swordfish, which is known as one of the biggest species. Yeah,
1: so they're kind of cheating here. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> that's why I kind of hemmed and hawed whether. <laughs> crap crap. <laughs> uh, number three is the tuna, and they link this bluefish and or bluefin and yellowfin. So the bluefin was in Massachusetts. The yellowfin was in Hawaii. In 2009, Dave Lamoureux caught a 157-pound bluefin. That's incredible. uh, Continued his search for monster tuna and a couple years later latched into one that was an estimated 400 pounds. Wow. But his line broke before landing the fish after a a four-and-a-half-hour fight.
1: But he said it was, he estimates it at 400 pounds? Yep. Really?
0: Yep. I guess they, they, it was they estimate big. it was this big between the <laughs> eyes. Yeah, my fish was three f- feet long <laughs> between the eyes. <laughs> Yesterday it was only one foot long between the eyes. <laughs> Tail it gets, grows. It gets bigger as we get older. <laughs> uh, yeah, they look at the the length and the the girth and all that, yeah. and they estimate the weight mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, But four and a half hours. I know. And then, snap. <laughs> oh, I bet you he invented some swear words that day.
1: Yeah, yeah. But still, you went through the experience. Like, you oh, can't, you yeah. can't, uh, you can't poo poo that. It's like, that's no. amazing. How tired would you be after four? Like,
0: you're battling a very strong. Well, fish. see, and then you, you're taking the time, you gotta reel all that in, you put your, and then you gotta paddle back to shore with those yeah. arms. Well, they do
1: mention that because of the heavy weights and the rigging, that they typically have electric reels. Mm hmm.
0: But still, you've got to hold that Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: That's a lot of forearm core strength that you're using up.
0: Yeah. 2016, Nick Wakita of Maui hooked into a yellow fish in shallow water, which they don't Mm. usually go in, so he was surprised to actually Mm -hmm. catch it. Yeah. After a prolonged battle in which the tuna dragged him miles farther out and up the coast, it broke his rod. But he still managed to land a 187.6-pounder. Wow. With a broken rod. That's amazing. Yeah. Hats off to you, Nick. Yeah. Because, you know. (laughs) Uh, Number two, the black marlin down in Panama. And we've talked about this one before.
1: is a black marlin, isn't that a swordfish?
0: No, they're different. Marlins? They look exactly the same, but they're different. They got the long pointy nose. Yeah, they can have fights, but they don't have a
1: sword. They have a pointy nose.
0: Apparently, I don't know. No, they got the sword thing.
1: I'm trying to remember because the the, the the in in <laughs> Finding Nemo there was a marlin.
0: If you put a swordfish and a marlin next to each other, I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I, think. <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen. that. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be able to yeah. tell the difference. In 2020, Adam Fisk, dude that caught the big halibut. No. Yep. Was working in Panama when he took a day off and went fishing. Latched into a huge black marlin that dwarfed his kayak. Again, four and a half hours fighting the fish. Towed him ten miles offshore. Based on the length estimates, the fish was 500 pounds. Once he made the catch official... He handed the rod off to a nearby boat that could, without risk, spend the time necessary to resuscitate and release it.
1: Hmm. It's crazy. Mm hmm.
0: So he had a big boat there with him. Yeah, somebody was there
1: for his safety and, team.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so Adam was, was up in uh, Alaska and caught that 156 pound uh, halibut off of uh, Ketchikan. And Black Marlin, apparently, he's into big fish. The number one biggest fish species caught on a kayak, Greenland shark. Okay, those suckers are big. They're huge. They're very calm though. Lunker, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Likely the largest and oldest fish ever caught because they live like 400 years. Yeah. 2014, Joel Abrahamson set out to catch the biggest fish ever with a scientific team and film crew following him. And this is up in Norway. He dropped his line 600, 1,600 feet down. Again, wow. 1,600. So if you're going for something big, <laughs> gotta get 1,600 deep. Yeah, seems gotta get to deep. be the sweet spot. <laughs> so 1,600 feet down. What's the size of the hook that he's using? It was Well, one of these were, were, I didn't put all the details in, but one of them, you know these guys are out there specifically, right? Because he says, he baited his hook with a salmon head. (laughs) I'm just going out for a couple of perch and a crappie. Give me that salmon head over there. (laughs) What can I say? 250 pound liters. That's amazing. Uh, Eventually, the Greenland shark took the bait. After an hour and a half, he had landed the shark at an estimated weight. One thousand two hundred and forty-seven pounds, but he spent all that time because yeah, it yeah. just sits there. Yeah, uses yeah, its yeah. weight, and he's got a haul. It's it not. Up. It's yeah. not really fighting. So it one
1: thousand two hundred forty-seven. If they're estimating it, why couldn't they just round
0: it up round to fifty? <laughs> yeah, but it's like thirteen feet long or something like that. That's incredible. That's like huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thousand two hundred and no, let's make a 47. it forty-seven. which uh, sounds more, more believable. Realistic. Sounds yeah. more realistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't no, don't don't be don't be. Oh, five hundred. No, you should have called it five hundred and seven pounds. Yeah, that black marlin, five hundred and seven, four hundred ninety-seven pounds. pounds. Yeah, gotta
1: have a yeah. seven. The last time was gotta be a seven. Yeah, one
0: hundred eighty-seven point <laughs> six. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Wow.
1: That's incredible, though. I'd like the, uh, to spend that much time fighting a fish.
0: Four and a half hours. What did you do yesterday? Went fishing? Did you catch anything? Just one. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> what oh, a- that was a boring day. Oh, no. Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> Trust me, it was awesome. <sighs> ah. You need a kayak. Go kayak fishing. Yes.
1: Yeah, sit on top. Has to be a sit on yeah. top. Yeah, I've seen some of these guys who have rigged up their sit on tops, and uh, so some of them have the uh, the foot pedals, mm-hmm. but most guys just use uh, arm strength. And they, so everything's leashed up. the 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 paddles leashed. They're all their gear is leashed. Everything is as little, you know, a… clips a, and leashes and clip, straps. Exactly. And, yeah, and uh, so obviously they're prepared to be tip dumped or whatever is going to happen to them out there. But uh, it's just, there's so much gear. It's, you're thinking to yourself, I could rig up this kayak like this gentleman has done, or I could buy myself a new SUV.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking if you can get some sort of releasable harness, mm-hmm. get your kayak out there, try to harness a whale. <laughs> You want to go for a ride, Yee-haw. brother? yee <laughs> You ever seen the killer whales that travel behind the boats and they're oh. jumping in the way yeah, yeah, of the yeah, big yeah, boats yeah. and stuff? Yeah.
1: That's what you need. And they're playing.
0: Yeah, that's what you it's need. It's amazing slip to see. one of those harnesses over a killer whale and <laughs> hang on tight, Moby Dick. <laughs> what happened to Derek? He went that way. <laughs> <laughs> I watched
1: the first, I don't know, half hour of a movie. It was called Shark Octopus.
0: Oh, Sharknado!
1: <laughs> so this this was a hybrid shark octopus that they had engineered, and it had broken free of its control collar, and <laughs> it was Should just happen. killing people left and right. And <laughs> that that would be that would be uh, quite the uh, fish to catch. Sure. All right, now that was a left turn, I must say. Well, we're talking about fighting fish, and, and it just reminded me of all the people getting eaten by this this uh, shark octopus. Sharknado! I, I did not watch the whole thing, but I did watch enough of it. But you it. do have it saved
0: on Netflix, that you can go back. It's something like that? Something like that. Oh. Uh, let's talk about kayak pool sessions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where there are no big yeah, fish. Yeah, there's no, no, no big you fish. I hope there's no big fish. <laughs> uh, so, there's this guy called Kayak Hipster. Yeah. He's on YouTube. He's a YouTuber. And he does a lot of stuff about kayaks and stuff. He shared uh, a while back five reasons to consider pool sessions for learning and development as a paddler. And being winter right now is. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: with a hard water season. Well, no, we don't have much hard water in New York City None now. But, yeah. but I've heard of Alan doing this. He's setting up pool pool uh, pool sessions yeah. and so
0: on. It's a good thing to refresh skills and. Yep. So his five things, he's got five five different reasons. One, practice skills you did not use in a while, such yeah. as rolls, self-rescues. Exactly. You know, you're in a pool. Yeah. Just yeah, take the effort to time to.
1: Yeah, because unless you are out there with a dry suit and somewhat warm water, like if you're on Lake Ontario, you're not going to be practicing rolls. <laughs> Although I've seen Alan do some rescues, yeah, uh, yeah. practice rescues and stuff. But I, man, it'd be
0: cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Uh, number two, perfect time to learn something new that other paddlers are doing. Yes, right. Techniques. So yeah, there, yeah. If you if you see people, if you're used to doing a self rescue one way, and they're mm-hmm. doing it some other way, yeah, you know, it's perfect time to to learn the other way yeah try new gear try
1: somebody's paddle out if somebody has a really neat breakdown paddle
0: somebody's got a carbon fiber hang on you're getting into episode number three here holy (laughs) jeez jump ahead derek you got places to be i didn't read any of this holy (laughs) jumping. number three derek oh there we go so you get to try different gear paddles boats
1: (laughs) you see gear in action hey this is i've walked right into this yeah see I used to do pool sessions back when I lived out in Victoria. And uh so the local club on base, it was uh, we 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 would do a couple of sessions every winter where they just uh opened up pool and they broke up because the club had I don't know 15 20 kayaks and right. all the gear and so we would do rescues. Like we do rescues, a couple of people did rolls, I didn't do rolls. I wasn't very good You're at not it. I'm big on rolls. Well, sometimes it's well, handy. If you can Red Rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can if you can get a bomb proof roll, if you can figure that out, then it's it's a lot easier than trying to climb back on from the from the yeah. stern if you doing but, a wet exit and y- then exactly. Yeah. It's it's if you can learn a roll then it saves a lot of time and energy. It saves so much energy. And I'm thinking whitewater kayaking right now because it's if you have to swim ashore and empty everything out and it's like uh, it's yeah. You swim through the rapids. It's like, yeah, you need to learn how to roll, buddy.
0: Yeah. Now I just turn my canoe, my kayak sideways and I just keep rolling over and over and over and <laughs> over, and over. Uh, Number four, controlled environment with instructors and other people that are there to help you if something goes wrong adds a level of comfort to try something new. Exactly.
1: So you might be too afraid to
0: try it out in open water. Yeah. And for cold water. Yeah. Because if I'm going to try a roll. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to drown out in the lake, no, I'd rather do it You'd in a pool dra- with fifty You'd rather other people. Drown with fifty people watching <laughs> with the an pool. audience. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it, it just adds that comfort that you know what, I'm going to try this because if something goes wrong, yep. there's enough people to help me out and, mm-hmm. and do it. Number five, usually offered in the winter months, which is great for those not into cold water paddling or are not able to get out that much on the water as much in the in the summer or winter. So you want to go there, you know, in the winter. I don't want to go to Lake Ontario and freeze my butt off. I know, right? So I'll go to one of these pool sessions. and Even in the summer, you can freeze your butt off in Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario, yeah. Not if you have a dry suit. <laughs> to just freeze your head off. Yes, and your yeah. feet. Uh, he added a bonus one on this video. Classes are offered. It's a perfect way to pick up new specific mm-hmm. skills. He really say, um, says, you know what? Classes, take classes. Mm -hmm. There's a perfect in the pool. Again, goes with everything else in there. You know, somebody there to instruct you on how to do it properly and, and that sort of thing.
1: And so, if you look at your local pools, contact the local pool and say, "Hey, do you have any kayak sessions? Do you have anything planned?" If they don't, you can plan it yourself. They have lots of pool times. So, you know, maybe on a maybe on a Saturday at like uh, four in the afternoon, the pool's not being used. Hey, I want to book two hours or whatever, right? Yeah. So you just get a bunch of buddies together or book the time, and it's it's easy enough to do. They're they're more than willing to rent the pool out to to a group of people. You just they have entry-exit doors from to the parking lot so you can slide it in, right? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you get your gear in there, you get, uh, you know, half a dozen people or more, and, and you can practice some skills. And then it's a fun way to burn off a Saturday afternoon in the middle of winter when when it's too terrible outside to do anything else.
0: In Ottawa, I don't know if they have one around here. Ottawa, they have the wave pool. Really? Yeah, we went there once. Hmm. And they got this contraption that makes big waves. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if they'd hold them in there and just don't tell anybody it's a wave pool. (laughs) (laughs) Here it comes. (laughs) Hey, by the way, hang on. (laughs) You might want to point your kayak that way. (laughs) That'd be neat. But (laughs) why? Never mind. (laughs) Don't look now, but maybe. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be neat to do that in a wave pool. Yeah. Especially if got wave after wave. Get used to that big lake rhythm. Exactly.
1: Yeah practice some skills because you see i see people uh practicing uh we were we saw two guys practicing in the waves at
0: rotary park rotary park yeah yep, yeah. 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 yeah yeah you go down there some days when the waves are coming in big yeah. along out of rotary yeah. park and ajax and stuff like that yeah. yeah there's there's guys there
1: what did they lose they were looking for something oh
0: he lost his hat Haas' hat.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so if you could, uh, like, you know, if you want the comfort of a warm pool to practice some uh, self-rescues or some some team rescues or, or you know, practice rolls or just try different stuff, just look into the local pool. They may have something and if they don't, you can plan it yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I got left is just a reminder some of the outdoor shows and paddling stuff coming Oh, out. yes. yes. Yeah. uh... Yeah. This spring. Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, February 24th to 26th. That's only like a month and a half away.
1: It's getting close. Toronto International
0: Centre, uh, Miss Hall 5. Quiet Adventure Symposium, Saturday, March 4th. It's a whole day thing in East Lansing, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um, with the rabbit show next door. With the rabbit show next door. And uh, that's going to be fun. We're actually driving down to that one. Canoe Copia, March Tenth to twelfth, the Alliance Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. Already got my hotel yep,
1: booked. you and Trace are going that yep, one. Yeah,
0: we're going to that one. And the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. I think last week I said tickets were a uh, twelve bucks. Yeah, they are because of, yeah, they say from twelve bucks. Yeah, but that's for youth. Yeah, so kids are twelve bucks. Adults are like yeah. Nineteen fifty,
1: and it's a different venue than what most people are used to. If you went to the uh, winter, camping winter camping symposium, when. they are using a local church now yep. instead of the uh,
0: the First United Church on Sixteen William Street West in yeah. Waterloo. And mm-hmm. they got five speakers so far. Yeah. So if you go to the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium Facebook page or website, yeah, uh, I don't know that the website's updated yet, but the the Facebook page they put, mm-hmm. they put that out there. And the Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show, April 15th to 16th at the Nepean Sportsplex um, in Nepean, Ontario. Free admission and free parking. I like that. I know. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah it's just a four or five-hour drive from here. So <laughs> There yeah. is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gas money. That's all you're paying is gas money for that five-hour drive yeah. there, five-hour drive yeah. back. <laughs> awesome. I think that's it. Is that it? That's all I have. Wow. All tapped out. Is that it already, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, has it been five hours already? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh. Yeah. feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't think so. Well, we're saving that topic for next week, that one topic, so maybe that's what you're thinking. Ah. Oh, no, 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 no. I guess something else. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, canoe kayak sales next week. mm mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking of buying one buying what a sale the oh yes 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 yes. yeah because yeah. you know what i figure if i get a sale if because we're not allowed to go to divorce lake anymore <laughs> but if have you have a told. sale
1: and the wind's right but
0: <laughs> so i'm right like if i go to divorce lake again and the winds are that bad <laughs> she will be angry yeah she will be angry. But if you have a sail to try. But out. if I have a sail and the winds are going the other way. Yeah. Think a big mass of waves and us going over them skipping at across mach them five. <laughs> do you think that'll make her happy? Oh she'll be so excited about that. She'll be ecstatic, right? <laughs> and we could wave as we go by. Yeah. Do the little queen wave. <laughs> And if we get enough speed and I aim it right, we might actually end up about 20, 30 feet up the portage (laughs) at the other end of the lake. Exactly. So we're going to be discussing that next week. (laughs) Let the good times (laughs) roll. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com and you can listen or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spesht.
1: We'll see you next time.